He's coming. Do you believe that this morning? He's coming. I want to share a word with you this morning. Concerning your new year. (laughs) Concerning what the Lord's doing in your life. Have you ever stood at the edge of something and you knew you were on the edge of something great? You were on the edge of the precipice of something greater than anything you had ever experienced. And you could see it off in the distance. You could you were standing on the edge of something and felt like something greater was coming, but you just weren't there in it yet. So I've got great news for you this morning. I just, I felt the Lord say, it's time to tell you, it's time to possess your promised land. It's time to take possession of the things that he's laid out before you. You see, some of you have been waiting. You've been, you've been hanging back. You've been watching all of the the plans unfold. You've been hearing the voice of the Lord. He's given you his promise. And you've just been hanging on, waiting, waiting, waiting. Lord, when's the time? And he's telling you it's time to possess your promised land. It's time to move forward into the things that he's called you to. Listen, you've you've got a it's gonna require some activity on your part. So I'm gonna read some scriptures here in a second, but it's time to possess. Tell somebody next to you it's time to possess your promise. It's time to possess your promise. Tell somebody next to you, say it's time to possess. Your promise. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 8 says, See, I have set the land before you. Everybody say that with me. I have set the land before you. God has placed before you your promised land. And he says to them, says to you and I, go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. The Lord has set before you his promised land. He has given you his promises. He's given you, this is what Second Peter says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is Second Peter 1 and verse 3. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have access to all things that pertain to life and to godliness. I'm going to say it again. He's given you, his divine power has granted his his strength, his power, his dunamis, his strength, not your strength, not your might, his spirit, his power working on the inside of you has given, has granted to you all things. Where's my help this morning? All things. You don't believe this. You don't believe the Bible. You don't believe this. If you believe this, you'd be shouting this morning. If you believe this, you'd be dancing over your finance. You'd be dancing about your family. You'd be shouting and rejoicing. You don't believe this. This is why I'm here telling you this this morning. 
He wrote in 2 Peter, let me say it again. His divine power has granted, has given to you. He's not dangling it out in front of you saying, here, here it is. Here's the promise. Sorry, you're not, you can't have it. It stays here on the platform. You can't have it. He's given to you. Everybody say, he's given to me. He's given to you all promises, all things concerning, now y'all are starting to wake up, all things concerning life and godliness. There's absolutely nothing that you have need of that he hasn't already provided for. There's absolutely no power that every ounce of dunamis, every ounce of power, strength, every ounce of exousia, the strength, the energy, the working of God, he's made accessible, available to you. You have it. You have it. Everything concerning salvation you have. There's nothing else that you have to say, Lord, I, 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 don't, I don't have enough for my redemption. I'm not born again. I need something else. You have it. There's nothing else that you need to live in victory in this life. He's made available, available to you the power of the Holy Ghost. You've got the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You can keep... There's, Everything that you have need of is available to you. The question is, are you going to make yourself available to it? Will you, will, you take, will you take possession of the land before you? Or will you continue going into 2024? Are you going to continue to have family trouble? Are you going to continue to have financial problems? Are you going to continue to have drama in your life? Are you, gonna, are you just going to continue to settle for all the things that you've been dealing with this year? Are you going to keep having the same old stinking thinking that's kept you in the pit? Come on now. Are you just going to stay in that pit of despair and depression and discouragement and fear and worry and the what ifs? And I, I can't believe this happened or that happened. It happened. Get over it. <laughs> Get healed and get over it. Did you hear me? You say, Pastor, you're telling me to get over my problem. I am. I'm telling you that every ounce of power, I'm not, listen to me, I am not disqualifying that life hurts and there's issues and when people hurt us and all of those things. I get it. But there is healing at the foot of Calvary's cross still for you. The, the blood that flowed on Calvary can, can cleanse your conscience, heal your emotions, and still liberate you and set you free today. The same Jesus that died on Calvary and resurrected out of the tomb can still bring resurrection life in your emotions. In your soulish man, in your, all the mess. He wants to get right on up in your mess. And he can heal it all and set you free from all of those things. How long are you going to linger outside your promised land because you're too busy holding on to the pain and the regret of yesterday? Well, it was better back in Egypt, Moses. Can we just go back there? It wasn't better back in Egypt, you fool. It was painful. You were a slave to the slave masters. You were a slave to sin. You were a slave to the lie. You were a slave to the brokenness. Going back is not an option. So when you just say, well, it was better back those, you're just whining and complaining and avoiding what God has intended for you. 
I'm not, listen, I know somebody's getting mad at me because, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's happened. I've, I'm her life. I get it. I'm not negating that. What I'm telling you is, is that thing that you keep throwing up right now is the very thing that's keeping you out of your promise. But if you allow it, it can be the thing that propels you into the promise. Instead of keeping you out, it can launch you forward. Instead of keeping you out, it's the thing that you can say, I'm learning from this thing. I ain't going back there. I'm not dealing with that again. I'm allowing the Lord to heal me, set me free, and I'm moving forward. I'm not stopping. I'm not stagnating. I'm not getting lazy. I'm not getting apathetic. I'm going to keep on moving. My promised land lies ahead. What is the promise that God's given you? What is the promise that he's given you? That it's time to take possession of the promise concerning your life. There is a, let me, let me just zoom this out a little bit. There's a promise that God has given to us regarding the Great Lakes region. This isn't just about you and your life. This is about changing a culture. This is about changing a city, about changing a region. This isn't just about you. God, you know, if you think this is all about you, then you, you've missed it. God is after this city. He's after this region. He's after the lost person that's living next door to you. He's, 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 he's after that lost person living inside your house. There, there's more to this story. There are some giants that need to be slayed. There's some things that need to be put to death so that there is a cultural change, a shift in this region, in this generation. And it's going to happen because people say, I've had enough of staying out of my promise and I'm going to take possession of the things that God's called me to. I'm going to take possession. When he says that I can have the fullness of the Spirit, then by golly, I want the fullness of the Spirit. If he said that I could worship him and come into his throne room without any reservation, then by golly, I'm going to worship him with every ounce of strength that I have. When he said that he'll open up the floodgates and pour out a blessing on my life that I don't have room enough to contain it, then by golly, I'm going to give until I see the not room enough. Because that's what he said. That's what he has said. I don't know about you, but that just leapt on the inside of me. I, I think there's somebody here today that just hit somebody. Maybe, maybe it was just for me. But you're going to give until you see the not room enough. You've been believing God for, 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 a, for a bill to be paid or a new car, a new house, whatever that situation is. But God says, I want you to be so blessed that you don't even have room enough. You don't have even room enough that I, I want you to be overflowing so much in your giving that you become a giver to every, everyone else around you. You're making everyone else in abundance. You're making everyone else an overflow because there's not room enough in your boat to hold it. You've got to call in the other boats. you got to call in the other friends. Hey, this catch of fish is too big for me. I need your boat too. And both boats start sinking because you don't have room enough. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. I don't have room enough. You're going to give your way to I don't have room enough. Take possession. Take possession of the promise that you have power on the inside of you to lay hands on the sick and see them healed, see them delivered, see them set free. 
Well, that's intimidating, Pastor, to, you know, lay hands on somebody that's sick and see them. You've got resurrection life on the inside of you. Take possession of the promise that God's given. You'll never know until you try. Did you hear me? You never know until you try. You'll never know that there's healing power until you find somebody that's sick and you lay hands on them. You'll never know that there's healing power flowing on the inside of you until you engage with it. So every promise regarding life and godliness, everything that you have need of is already made available. Let's keep reading. His divine power, 2 Peter 1.3. And I'm, I'm going to jump around so media and everyone who's trying to follow in your Bibles just hang. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. I love that. Through the knowledge of Him. Through, through, the, through the experience with Him. This isn't something... This isn't just something that you get because a preacher told you so. I know a lot of people in church that have heard a lot of good things. I'm looking at a whole bunch of them right now. A whole lot of good people who've heard a lot of good things about Jesus. But just hearing about it isn't enough. The word here is that through the knowledge, through the experiential knowledge with Jesus, the one who's called us. Who's called you? He's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He's called you out of your darkness, out of your pit of despair. Who is that king that's called you out? It's the king of glory. Jesus has called you out of darkness into into this knowledge, experiential knowledge of knowing him. This isn't something that comes by being told so. It comes by an experience of knowing so. I can tell you all day long, you've heard me say this before, that honey's sweet. But until you put a drop of honey on your tongue, then you know it's sweet. It's the same with Jesus. You can hear it all day long, the message concerning Christ. But what Peter's telling us is that there is a, there's a revelation that comes about all things pertaining, 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 pertaining to life and godliness. There's a revelation that comes about all things pertaining to life and godliness that comes from experiencing Jesus. You can know, I can tell you today, that you can give your way until there's not room enough. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. That sounds good, Pastor. How many of you don't, you know, we all want not room enough. But until you have a revelation of Jesus in that, It's just still a religious checkbox. It's just still something you do. Let's tie But when you see Jesus, yeah, he wants me. He wants to make me a blessing to people around me. He wants to make my life an overflow so that the church doesn't have lack, that ministry doesn't have lack, that people around me don't have lack. He wants to bless me so much that there's an abundance overflowing into people. When you see Jesus in the middle of that, everything changes. I have resurrection power on the inside of me. Wow, that's great. But when you see Jesus in it, it's no longer, well, I don't know if I lay hands on it, will it work? Well, it won't work. It doesn't matter. Jesus is in the middle of it. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's the one that said, these signs shall follow them that believe. If he said it, then it's going to work. That's how solid it is to it. It's Jesus in it. 
But you got to have revelation knowledge. That's what Peter's telling us, that you, through the experience, through knowledge of him who called us to his own, this isn't just a cranial activity. This isn't just a cranial activity. It is a knowledge that comes through your heart. You see, the Hebrews thought that, that, that knowledge, the understanding comes through our heart, not our heads. This is why Jesus said, out of, the, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. There's a wellspring of life, an understanding that flows from within, not from above. So if your head's in the way, if your cranium, cranial thing thinking is in the way, well, let me figure this out. Let me process this. Me, all that is, it's, let me just tell you what it is. It's fear. It's all your fear, all your stories, all your experiences, all those things. And, and you're filtering everything through that. But if you'll just, just press pause on that for a minute and have an experience with Jesus. Have an experience with Jesus. He'll give you a revelation in your heart of who he is. He'll give you a revelation in your heart about all things pertaining to life and godliness. He'll speak to you in a moment. He'll reveal himself in a moment. He'll reveal his glory and his excellence. Who's called you? Where has he called you to? We'll keep going. So this knowledge of him who called us to his... I wasn't planning on preaching this, by the way. I was, I, I was going to talk about possessing the promise, but you have to understand what promises you're called to possess before you can possess the promises. So I, I'm just laying some groundwork, and then we'll move forward. So you, all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge, through revelation knowledge of him who called us to what? His own glory and excellence. <laughs> Let that sink in for a moment. To his own glory and his own excellence. He didn't call you to give you a big head and a title. He called you to his glory Creation declares his glory. Everything right now is crying out the glory of God. For all eternity, everything will cry out the glory and declare his glory. What is this, the glory? What does that mean? It's everything. When you say glory, when a, when a king or president or whoever walks into a room, they, they carry an, a, an air, a glory about them, their title, their role, their position. And, and depending on your view and your perspective of that glory determines how you receive and how you respect and honor that glory, right? People today all over the world don't respect and honor the glory of Christ. It's, it's crying out all around. Creation declares it. Everywhere you look, you see it. But not everybody will receive it, honor it, respect it. It's still there, though. And it's the same true when you have the, the, there will be a day that everyone will, by the way. But, but the same is true with the presidents. All the you know, kings, they walk into a room and they have their entourage. They have their glory, their character, who they are. So when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about all of who he is, his characteristics, his qualities. When he walks in the room, who is he? When he's there, what, what is he like? What, is he, what does he sound like? What, is he, what does he smell like? What is his goodness like and his faithfulness like and his character and his quality? So the glory is this all-encompassing it's not just this nebulous cloud we think about in the Old Testament. When they saw the cloud, it was a manifestation of who he was. 
It was just one of, whether it was a cloud of fire or a cloud of smoke and cloud, whatever the cloud was, it was just a manifestation. It was just one way that he was showing off. It was one way he was showing himself so that we could see him. Today we see him. We saw his glory this morning through the gifts of the Spirit and through his presence and through worship. That's, that is God showing his glory. So you and I are called to that glory. You and I are called to be participators and recipients of that glory. That glory can get on you. His glory can get on you. His glory can get in you and change you. When you're in environments like this, His glory, it's like even, you may not even want it. You may be here because somebody told you you needed to be here, and you don't even really want to be here. It's okay, because when you get in environments like this, His glory's here. And, and just by osmosis, it's just, it's just getting on you. People say all the time, well, I, you know, I feel God there, you know, or people come down for, I've never felt God like that. You know, we hear those stories all the time. God's here. This is His house. We don't make this stuff up. This is God. His glory's here. And He can get on you and change you. So his glory, you're called to his glory. And there's so much more I can say about his glory. But you got the idea. We're called to his glory and we're called to his excellence. Perfectly, permanently, forever. He never changes. He never diminishes. He's always excellent. He's always perfect. He's always excellent. He's always at his best. His, he's always the top. You can't come into church today and rate him an A and come back next week and give him, an, give him an F. It's not how it works. God, you showed up good today, but I didn't like how you showed up last week. That's not, he's always at his best. He's always perfect. He's always excellent. Even when you don't think he is, he still is. Even when you don't see it, he still is. Even when you feel like you're at your worst, he's still excellent. It doesn't change. His character, his glory, and his excellence doesn't change because you do. His glory and his excellence doesn't change because your scenery changes. His glory and his excellence are always perfect, are always emanating, is always radiating from the throne, always at his best. That's what we're called to. So when you exchange in this life, just for a moment, Heather was talking about her pot smoking, whatever that was, you know, you exchange it for, for just a drag of the cigarette or a drink of the bottle, the relate, whatever the thing is. You're just exchanging something that's perfect and permanent and glorious and excellent for all eternity for something that just is a puff here in a moment and gone in the next. It's just exchanging with the, the, per, the permanent perfectness of who he is for a moment. You're called to something greater. You're called to something greater than just a fleeting moment, a puff of a whatever. Puff the magic dragon and it's gone. You're called to more than that. Did you hear me? You're called to more than what this life has to offer. You're called to his glory and to his excellence. Yeah, that's exciting. That's good news. 
If that's, if that's the promise that you get to possess, that's something to possess. I get to possess his glory and his excellence. I, I mean, for all eternity, I'm going to be possessing this. It doesn't, I, I'm never going to get to the end of it. It's eternal. This is a, this is an, this is eternal. This is an eternal chase. You never, you never get to the finish line. You never, isn't that good news? You never get to the finish line with God and say, I've arrived. I finally got to the end of his glory. I finally got to the end of his excellence. And it won't happen, I promise. It won't happen. It's a constant, continual pressing in and receiving. Amen. Are y'all still with me? So let me, let's go back to 2 Peter. So you're called. This is the promise, His glory, His excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers. Everybody say partakers. <laughs> this is a good word. I think you need to say it again. Partakers. I'm a partaker. I'm a partaker. I'm a partaker. You know what's so good about this? is that I'm not called to be a spectator. I'm called to be a partaker. Yeah. I'm not called to just be a sipper and just try it out. I'm called to be a partaker. I'm called to belly up to the table and eat of the feast. I'm not, I'm not there just passing through with, and observing how everyone else is enjoying the meal. I'm called to pull up to the table. I have a seat with my name on it, and I'm called to pull up to the table and feast away at the goodness of God's glory and His excellence. That's what I'm called to. That's what you're called to. You're not just called to come into church on Sunday stick your finger in the cool whip and lick it and say, oh, that tastes good and go home and live how you want. You're called to pull up to the table of the Lord and eat the steak that he's put out in front of you. Eat the feast, eat the meal, eat the, I don't know if you're a vegetarian, eat the salad, I don't care. Eat the whole thing. He's got it all laid out right in front of you. That's what you're called to, to be a partaker of his promises. Partaker so that you become a partaker of his divine nature. Now, I want you to look at the person next to you. and Tell them they look so angelic. No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> you look like a devil. <laughs> you look like a fallen angel. I don't know what you look like. You have this, this carnal self, right? You have this carnal nature on you. But we're called to be partakers of the divine nature. There's a new nature on the inside of you. There's a new way that you, when you have, when we talk about nature, right? A nature of someone, we're talking about how they function, how they operate, not just what they look like. When I look, I, I'll pick it on Carol, because Carol, you know, She's easy. To, I can't pick on my wife, so I have to pick. She's the next one in line. So Carol, has a, she has a nature, right? So there's a way that she operates. She's very cunning and crafty, if you didn't know this. She's, she's got, she has a lot of wisdom. There's, she's, she's very kind and loving and, 
and sweet until you cross her. And then there's this, there's this sort of wisdom of ancient experience that comes out of her. She has a nature. She has a way, right? She, and then she's very, she gets up and speaks. She's very soft and gentle and, you know, like she's very kind and loving. That's her nature, right? We, we know Carol. We know her nature. If you, if you don't know her, you should get to know her. But that's her, that's her nature. We know people by their nature, how they function, how they operate, their personality, their gifts, their strengths, their abilities, what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, what their hobbies and interests are. That's all part of our nature. But we are called to the glory of God and His promise to be partakers of divine nature. That means that when, mm, this is so good. So you, you and I, we have this wonderful book called the Bible that is the revelation of Jesus. That, that as we begin to dive into the Word of God and we see who Jesus is and we begin to see the divine nature of God in these pages, we become partakers of this. We start to look at this and say, oh, I'm, I'm, supposed to, I'm, I'm supposed to be kind and loving. That Jesus said they will know you by how you love other. Oh, I need, to, I need to learn to love. I need to love others. I shouldn't be judging them and gossiping about them and criticizing them. I don't, I shouldn't. I need to be loving. Lord, help me to be a partaker of divine love. And, and then, you, then, you, then you go to 1 Corinthians 13, and it tells you what love is. You're like, oh, well, this is, what, this is what the divine nature of love looks like. In 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is... And you start going through, oh, this is, this is the nature I ought to have. And I'm going to be a partaker of this. That, is this making sense? So you see the glory of God, you see his excellence, and you become a partaker of that divine nature. It's not just something you hear at church. It's not just something then of the promise that's laid out before you. He wants you to have his divine nature. He wants you to have divine character. He doesn't want you to keep having thought patterns that keep you in bondage. He wants you to think like him. When you think like Christ, what's possible? If you were to think like Jesus, what's possible? If you were to think about that situation like Jesus thinks about that situation, what's possible? If you were to think about your family like Jesus thought about your family, what's possible, right? He wants to change your thoughts, not just your thoughts, but your character. He wants you to be patient and loving and kind. He wants you to look like Jesus looks. He wants you to look like he looks. Divine nature. And now here's the great thing about this. You can't do this on your own. It's impossible to do on your own. That's why when you get born again, he gives you a new what? What does he give you? A new nature, a new life. You've, the old is gone and the new has come. He gives you a new heart and a new, the very thing that you have need of. The, it's like a seed going in the ground. You have the seed of that salvation. You have the seal of that redemption. And as you grow in Christ, you've got to steward that thing. You say, you know, have you ever looked at somebody and said, I don't know if they're born again. They sure do act ugly. I know they go to church and they say that they're born, but they sure do look, they, they act ugly. They, they should, you know, they said this or did this. Anybody ever said those kind of things? Well, you got to steward the divine nature. You got to be a steward. You can be a stink or you can be a steward. 
You can have a stench or you can be a steward. You can have the stench of the world still on you or you can say, I'm going to be a partaker of the divine nature. I'm going to possess my promises. So now that you know what your promises are, let me, read, let me finish reading this. You having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. God comes and he gives you a new desire. No longer are you desiring the things of the world, but you're desiring a divine nature. You're desiring the promises of God. So now that you know what the promises are, it's time to take possession of them. In Deuteronomy 1.8, I have set the land before you. I have set the promises before you. I've put the dinner out before you. God says, I've put it all out there. I've, I've set the land before you. Now, what does he say? Verse 8, go. Does that sound familiar to anyone? In Matthew, he said, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples. Go and take the land. Go and make disciples. Go and take the land. Go and do the things that I've called you to do. Go fulfill your ministry. Go. Everybody say go. If you want to take possession of your promises, you cannot be lazy. If you want to take possession of your promises, I can't do it for you. God, notice this. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can go back and read this in Genesis. We won't take the time today. You can go back and read it. But he gave them a promise. Now here's, here's how this works for you and I. God gave you and I a promise all things concerning life and godliness, all things concerning reaching this region, reaching your family, seeing a, a region changed and transformed. And the only way that this is going to happen, it's not going to happen because you sit down here and, at church at Harp and Bowl tonight and say, oh God, would you send somebody to reach our community? Oh God, would you would you send would you send revival again, God? Would you do it again and just Lord just change just change our region to it. and all the while God's sitting there saying, "Hello. Hello, Carol. Hello. I said go and take possession." Is anybody hearing me? Oh God, would you save my family? Go! Oh God, would you change my finances? Go! Oh God, would you do that? Just go! I've given you everything that you have need of. When are you going to go? 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 Go in and take possession of the land. I don't know about you, but I don't want to sit back and let the devil take possession of our land. That word possession, to take possession, it is a legal word. It means that I have the right it means to take ownership, take possession of. The word possession there, mean, to possess, means to kick out the current inhabitants and take ownership and, 
in, live in, reside in, take ownership of it. So if there's somebody in your land, in your promise, telling you you can't have your promise, maybe it sounds like fear. Maybe it sounds like worry. Maybe it sounds like anxiety. Maybe it sounds like some past experience or story. They say, well, you can't have this. You can't take possession. You can't come in. You, you'll never achieve this. You couldn't have this. Whatever the lie is, it's trying to keep you. It, it's time to uproot the lie. It's time to uproot the enemy. Serve notice on the devil. Serve notice on the lie. Serve notice on the things that's been keeping you out of your promise and saying, tough, I'm moving in. Whether you're ready or not, here I come. I'm taking possession of my promised land. I'm taking possession of the things that God said that I could have. I'm taking possession of the things that he died for so that I could have it. If he told me that I could have the fullness of the spirit, then guess what? I'm going to have it. I'm not going to settle until I get everything that he has for. If he said that I could could give until there's not room enough, then guess what? I'm going to get there's not room enough. If he said that I could reach my community and do the work of the evangelist, then guess what? I'm not stopping until I get what he promised. I'm moving. I don't think anybody's ready to go today. I'm ready to go and get what God said I could have. I'm not just preaching a nice New Year's message. This is how you ought to live. I hope that that something is changing on the inside of you. I hope the switch is flipping. I hope the light is coming on by the Holy Ghost. Something is happening on the inside of you this morning. And you'll say, I am going to stop living according to the status quo. I'm going to stop living according to the lie. I'm going to stop living according to the past. And I'm going to take possession of my promises and be a partaker of the divine nature that God's called me to. I'm going to kick out the devil. I'm going to kick out. Listen, you may not. It's uncomfortable, pastor. Get over yourself. We've all had uncomfortable moments. We've all faced uncomfortable days. It's not easy to square up shoulders with your enemy and say, Goliath, you've come to me with the spear and a sword, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord. It takes some guts. It takes some courage. But I promise you, everything that you have need of to face that is resonant on the inside of you. But you'll never know it until you stand square face to face with a Goliath. If all you do is run and hide, if all you do is listen to the lie and the past and the issues, then you'll never step up to the Goliath. You'll never step up to the Philistine. You'll never step up to the enemy and say, you've come to me with a lie, but I've come to you with the name of the Lord. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the I'm standing here, not in my own strength, but I've come to you in the authority of the name of Jesus. So somebody this morning's getting this, I think. I'm going to go. I'm going to go in and take possession of my promised land. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I'm going to go in and take possession of my promised land. I'm taking possession of the promises of God this year. I want you, when you get home, you need to write down. You need to write down what it is you're taking possession of. I want you to listen. You need to write down what you're taking possession of. 
If you don't know what you're taking possession of, you'll never possess it. When you go to buy a house, you have a contract, you have a deed, there's something, there's an exchange of paperwork, signatures are had, and you know that you know that you know that that house is yours. So if the, if somebody, the previous owner comes knocking on your door and says, oh no, this isn't your house, I want my house back, you can say, oh no, I have your signature, I paid for this, it's mine, right? You know what, you know what you're possessing. And there's no question about it. You need to write down what it is that you're possessing this year. Not, I'm not talking about turning over a leaf and, and having a good... I'm talking about you need to know from the Lord what you your promised land is. What are you taking possession of? You cannot any longer walk aimlessly through the wilderness. There's a season of walking aimlessly so that things can fall off and die. And some of you this year, you've been walking through the wilderness letting things die. And it's awesome. Let it go. They're dead. It's in the wilderness. Gone. You, it's over. But you are at your promised land. Don't go back. Go forward. You need to know what lies ahead. Yes, you did your wilderness journey. Yes, things happened. Yes, things were said. Yes, things were done. The wilderness is over. Yes, come on. You need to tell somebody next to you, your wilderness is over. It is good preaching. I'll say it again. Your wilderness is over. Your wilderness is over, and you are at the doorstep of your promise. You're at the doorstep of the promise. You've made it. You've made it. Some of you didn't think you were going to make it. Some of you this year, you didn't think you were going to get through, but you made it. You're here. You're breathing. Not everybody made it. (laughs) Not everybody made it. There's some people in your life that's died off along the way, and that's a good thing. God saw to it that they'd die off along the way. But you're here. And you're at the doorstep of your promise, and it's time to take possession. Are you ready to go? Yes, come on. (laughs) Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? I said, are you ready to go? I'm ready to take possession. I'm ready to take possession. I'm ready to take possession. I, we need a possession-taking song. So I hope we don't have a... Uh, we need a possession-taking. We're gonna, not, a, not a possessed song, but a possession-taking song. I, we need something with some, some, some movement. We need something with some... Give me a beat. I don't care. Just give me a beat. We, need, I don't, we, we don't even have to sing. Just give me something. Give me some marching music. We don't even have to sing. Come on, give me some marching. There we go. Now, you might say I'm silly. That's okay. I'm taking my promises. So you just march your way on in. And march your way on into your promise. Just get your feet a movement. Sometimes we just need to get our bodies involved. I'm taking possession. I'm 
taken possession of my promises. I'm taking possession of my promises. I'm taking possession of my promised land.